Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 BA fam. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts and keep our audience growing. If your iPhone recently updated to iOS 14.5, head to Apple Podcasts, search for Brown Ambition, and click on the plus button in the upper right-hand corner. Do that and you'll be following our show. Whoop, whoop. You can also follow us on Spotify, on Stitcher, or on the Amazon Music app. You wouldn't have to do all that you know, if you had Android. But you know, Apple, that's fine, that's fine. And now on to our show. black we're chocolate and well would you say peanut butter in the summer mandy brown kind of (laughs) vanilla bean brown ambition welcome black mandy (laughs) hi welcome black (laughs) tiffany get a little caramelly with you know you know what i plan to get as much sun as i can this summer so yes i will be i'm gonna have i finally can use last summer i didn't even need to use my summer uh, I have different summer colors for my for like foundation and mm. you know stuff like that. So for summer it's a little bit darker, and the winter I get pale. But last summer I didn't go nowhere, so I never had to even use my summer pale mm. my my summer my summer hue. So yes, I will be a little bit more toasted um, toasted peanut butter. Mm. <laughs> yeah, food analogies aside. <laughs> You are about to go on vacay. I How you know. feeling? I feel really good. So my first for okay. my first week, I've rented a um, summer. Um, well, I rented this really beautiful house down by the shore. So I'm gonna spend a week. Like just, right, it's like one step from the beach. The house is absolutely gorgeous, mm. and so I'm planning like at least two to three other like like mini getaways this is probably the longest of a week and everything else will be like you know like an extended weekend probably but then mm-hmm. during the day i'm going to do like you know different fun things like i want to find like um uh i really love like uh thrifting and like big flea markets i'm like i'm sure there's one in like philly i can go to or i'm sure there's like i don't know like um the american this is this big huge mall in jersey called american dream that recently opened up that's supposed to be you can like um uh, not skateboard. What are those things called? Like not iceboard. What are the things that the kids do with the with the snowboarding? Iceboard. Snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. You okay. can snowboard. Not that I'm gonna snowboard, but honestly, like all the kind of things I've always wanted to explore that like are pretty local. I've been to do that. Um, mm, that sounds yeah. nice. I'm excited for you, and we have an amazing lineup 
of guest co-host, you guys. So stay tuned to Brand Ambition. We've got some exciting guests. I can't wait to, I want to keep it a surprise, but I can't wait to share with you guys. So <laughs> definitely stick around. I will be here while Tiffany is out woo-sawing and taking a much a much needed, well-deserved break. Yes. Um, so stay tuned. I, I bought, I made like a really expensive purchase. I was like, ah! Ooh, I love it, Tiffany. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. So I bought myself a Sleep Number mattress. But I got all the bells and whistles. Ugh, it was a lot. It cost, you know what? It cost me more than my first car. Okay. Well, you know, my first car, I mean, it was, I mean that's not saying much. But knowing because, you, your first car is probably like really cheap. <laughs> it was. My first car was a, a used little putt-putt that I bought from the lot. But still, yeah. guess how much? Oh, I feel like the price is right. I don't know how those people do it. I'm stressed. Um, ten thousand dollars? No, lower. Oh, okay. Um, seven thousand dollars. Oh, yep, just about. Yep. So okay. I know. I was like, oh my can gosh. I spin the wheel? I know. <laughs> You've got a prize, Mandy. <laughs> you. <laughs> no. So I was talking to my um my business coach Zion about today, and I was like, uh, oh, you know, expressing a little bit of angst, even though I'm not gonna lie, I've been sleeping really well on it. Like it. I certainly can, hope so. I know, I know. <laughs> and he told me that it's time for us to kind of like unlock the next level of what money means to me, you know, or how I utilize money. He said, you know, in the beginning, you know, when you were struggling, Tiffany, you know, money was a means for you to create security and safety. And I'm, it's fair to say that, you know, you've created that for yourself. And now, you know, I want you to be able to spend responsibly, but without guilt when, mm -hmm. you know, like, even if it's a lot, you know, is $7,000 going to tank you and your family? I was like, no. He said, then why, you know, and it was also to your, you're purchasing something that's, you know, good for you. And even if it wasn't, so what? It's not going to cause financial harm to you and your family if it's something that you're wanting, but especially Tiffany, you bought a bed, like, yeah, and, you know, <laughs> I was I was like Tesla. I know. Car. I was going to be really excited. Now, meanwhile, over here, like I oh, spent God. money, and so he was like, um, <laughs> like so he's like, okay, we 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 were playing kind of like not this like it's a, this is game that my sisters and I kind of play whenever I spend money on on something that like is not like you know something like a, a super need. Like my sister Tracy always says, "What's the money for?" So basically, Honestly, like, though. you know what I mean? Like, okay, like you, like, um, you purchase the thing, you know, whether like, let's just say it's a bag or it's a massage or it's whatever. And, you know, all the bills are paid and you're saving and you maxed out your retirement, all the things you've done, all the things. And you're mm -hmm. like, so you want to get your nails done. What's the money for? Like, basically like, what, what do you, like, what are we holding off for? And so he told me like, you know, that's exactly like to remember that one of the one of the ways to use money once you've gotten beyond the financial security component, he said money is pretty infinite. Meaning, like as much as they're like, I mean, you could just keep, you know, money is a social construct, so you technically can can make as much money as humanly possible. Like it doesn't make sense that Elon Musk is making one hundred fifty thousand dollars like a minute. Like what does that even mean? But time is finite. Right. He was like, mm -hmm. so you can use this kind of like infinite resource, this made up thing that we call money to buy back something that is finite, meaning buy back something that it's not endless, which is your time. 
He said, so this is the stage you're in, Tiffany, now. And this is for anyone who's kind of listening, who is beyond the stage of like security and things like that, you know, like with your finances. And I'm having a hard time making the leap. So I was just literally just talking because Zion and I, we meet every other Monday. And he was like, so this is, you're moving into this stage. I want you to ask yourself, how can I use some of my money to buy back some of my time? And so he gave me an example. He said, I wanted to learn how to... um what did he say? He wanted to learn how to surf. And he's like, I've never surfed before. And I had friends that surfed. And he was like, you know, they, they said, oh, it took me a couple of years before I could do like five foot waves or whatever. And he was like, huh, I could do that. Or he said, I looked online and I found like uh, an ex-pro surfer who like went to the Olympics and it wasn't cheap, but I found out that I could pay because he lived in, uh, um, he lived in um, California where Zion lives and I can pay him to give me surf lessons. And he said, I can bring up to like a few people. So I invited friends and said, hey, it's on me. But if you want to have some surf lessons, I found someone I'm going to pay him to do so. And he's like, Tiffany, you know, in a few months, I was able to surf just as well as my friends who'd surfed for a couple of years, but they had been self-taught. And he's like, so I got, I wanted to surf 10 foot waves within a few months. I didn't want to wait a few years. I got to buy back some of my time. And I was just like, okay. So he was like, you know, so consider like where you are now. What are some things that you're wanting to learn or to do? So like the example of, remember I was like, like, uh, like in knots in my stomach about getting someone to clean the house. Yes. Like this is the first, you know, like last year was the first year I ever had anyone clean my house professionally. And it's like, well, Tiffany, you could clean the house for four, three to four hours or you can pay Juliana, who's awesome, to clean the house and buy back some of your time. Same thing with cooking. Like, you know, I'm never much of a cook and I, I always would feel guilty because I typically, like I'm still working during times where you would make dinner and sometimes I wouldn't get dinner on the table till like nine. And it was like, oh, or, or I can pay Nisha, who's this amazing woman, to cook for my family and I, and I get to buy back time. So I was just like, it's just a new way for me to think of money outside of just using it to create security uh, for myself. And it's just like, you know, like like the bed was like, you should have seen me. I was like, oh. Meanwhile, Mandy, I've been sleeping on the couch for like months because my arm is like, you know, like since I've gotten the surgery, I just could not get comfortable in our old bed. And it was really Superman who was like, so I want my wife back. Girl, <laughs> like, <laughs> let's go get this damn bed so you can sleep I back in the bed. that baby if you sleep it on the couch. I know. Well, you know, like I would see him sec- sexy time upstairs and then come downstairs and be like, okay, <laughs> mom, I'll see you later. <laughs> Slithering out, leave a note. <laughs> the walk of shame downstairs, like, let me go downstairs. No, but, you know, so it was just like such a good lesson of like, okay, and you know, it really solidified for me. My sister Tracy's like, girl, I want to go see um, mommy this weekend, like, you know, just to check up on them. And she said, um, she's like, I opened like, a, we all have our own key. She was like, my mom was in the living room dancing and she didn't hear her come in. She was just like getting it in like, oh, and she was like, my mom turned around and was like, oh, I didn't know you were coming over. And she's like, you're dancing? She's like, yeah, just feeling happy. And you know what? My mom had just texted me that day to say, I don't know if I remember mentioned last time how they they needed a new port to remember Mandy and I was like oh, I don't know it's like you know it was eleven thousand dollars which is not a little bit of money but Superman was like girl we have it it's your parents it's a porch they don't want a Porsche it's a porch you know <laughs> so they don't fall through the back and then like I started to send Nisha who cooks for my family and I every Sunday to make sure my parents had like a really great Sunday meal 
And then like my dad's good for leftovers. So like for, for Monday as well. And then two, I send them money every month. And so everything kind of landed on the same day. And she just like texted me like, I'm just my dad too. Like, I'm just so happy and secure. And, and I thought like what Zion, like what Zion is saying, like, you know, or what really Tracy was saying, like, what is the money for? And for me, that's what, that's, a huge component of what is the money for is so my mother can dance in the dining room without worry and not having to worry about how she's going to pay the mortgage. It's paid off, you know, like having spending money, she got it, a porch that was rotting and how are we going to pay for it? It's done, you know? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's a, it's a new, it's such a, I've never had a significant amount of money before. So it's still a new space. So sometimes I'm still navigating as preschool teacher, Tiffany, where it's like, well, girl, every minute, every penny counts and, you know, every nickel, every dime away. And it's like, no, Tiffany, you are responsible. You can trust yourself to say, I put some aside for this. You've maxed out retirement, savings, all the things. You have almost two years worth of, of emergency fund. Like, girl, you're doing all the things. You can afford these things that, one, you know, bring joy to yourself and other people. And two, help to buy your time back. Can you just buy something pretty? Just buy it. Just to, if it makes you happy, just buy. Because even now, I'm just like, uh-huh, porch, um, I know, mattress. So I'm not excited like I want to be for you. Like, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. All fly my, to all my, some country and just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You oh know what? God, I'm gonna some, think get of some something. good food. I don't know. It's true. It's hard. See, man, yeah. isn't that so crazy? Like, I still am like, okay, but that's one of the things I. I, during the six Get weeks. some plastic I'm, surgery, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find one. I'll buy you some time back. <laughs> I'm going to find one random thing that doesn't, like, because you're right. I still, I'm honestly, I still have such a hard time. Like, Tiffany, you got you to use it to be responsible. You so, can call my husband. He has some ideas. <laughs> so I'm going to think of something because it's so crazy. Like, you know, like mindset is such a, such a crazy thing, how you can get locked in. And the crazy thing, I guess what's so hard about shifting mindset is oftentimes that mindset is what got you here. You know, this like responsibility with money, it got me here, but it's also keeping me here. You know, so that shift is like, it's not easy. And I, you know, I'm always trying to be transparent with you guys because I, I, my worry is that on social, everything is made to look so easy, breezy, pretty, that if you just do this, everything turns out perfect. And, you know, Mandy and I try to be honest, like, yeah, girl, I don't know what they're talking about over there, but it's not, you know, like you can make it like, you know, I make good money now and I still struggle with money. You is know? it like for me sometimes it's the fear of I can I achieved this but it can be I could lose it you know and there's even if it's like an irrational fear because you know my money is FDIC insured if it's in cash and you know I'm investing very wisely in the market and history tells me that the market typically will go up over time but still there's like that little bit of irrational fear that someone might come and snatch it all away so the I actually find that it helps me make decisions about enjoying the money now because I'm like, you're right. Someone could take it away. Let me spend it on things that someone can't take away. So experiences. So I've never really felt guilty about one of my guilty pleasures was Broadway. I haven't been on a Broadway show in a long time. Yeah. But um, Broadway tickets, those were always really expensive. You know, it could easily be 500 bucks for a date night Ah! to a Broadway show. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> that's no, that's good. I don't though. know how people. I mean, I used to. You can get cheaper tickets through lotteries and stuff like that. But to have the peace of mind that you're just going to have a good seat, yeah, like five hundo for two people easily, and then nice dinners. So, ooh, let me tell you what I did this week. Mm. So I have been stalking. There's just really a beautiful farm up here in Westchester where I live. And it's called Blue Hill, or sorry, Stone Barn Center in the restaurant attached to the farm is called uh, Blue Hill. And they're doing this really cool like thing. The, the, the head chef basically stepped aside. He's a white man. Mm-hmm. And he basically stepped aside and said, you know, I'm going to step back from my head chef position and we're going to have chefs in residence instead. So last year was season one, this year is season two. And they basically have a lineup of like five or six diverse, so men, women, black, Asian, you know, Latino, they have a a lot, they're amplifying the talents of these chefs and bringing them to Blue Hill to cook for a season. And I, it's really, it's really, really hard to get, um, it's not even a ticket, but to get a reservation. And I have just, for some reason, I've been waking up at like 4am, you know, I don't know, the melatonin wears off. (laughs) And I'm just on the Blue Hill website, and I got a spot, someone canceled their reservation. Yes. where, Where is it? It's in um it's in Westchester where Terrytown it's not it's like somewhere cute in Westchester but I've just heard really amazing things and I'm excited because the 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 master chef that they have right now as their guest is uh ooh, Brian Furman he's actually from Atlanta or he has a restaurant in Atlanta but he's a barbecue pit master he's like the first pit master to be a James Beard Foundation semifinalist so James Beard is like I don't know the Pulitzers of the food world um, so he's won all these awards, and he has this restaurant in Atlanta called Cracklin BBQ, BBQ, Barbecue. And he has a really amazing story. He lost a restaurant four years. Um, he lost a, a restaurant to a fire, and he's working on opening a new one in Atlanta. So I'm going to go check him out this Thursday. I'm so excited. It's expensive, though. I think it's like, what is it? It's ended up being $100 per person because they mm-hmm. don't do, they don't, they, they're like one of those restaurants that stop doing gratuity. So they kind of, bake it into your bill, I guess. That makes sense. But yeah, I'm taking husband. And I was like, we have a couple friend. And I said, it's one of those things where I was, you know, your heart's racing because you only have like seven minutes to hold your (laughs) reservation. And I'm like, it's order. You better answer this text. And and immediately she was like, yes, we're in. So (laughs) yeah, mommy and daddy are going on an expensive dinner date. But I'm, I'm excited. It feels like the world's opening up again. It's this, I do feel like I'm ready to spend some spend some money on some experiences because they can't take it away from you at the end of the day. Yeah. Honestly, I'm just like, yeah, I'm still, experiences are a little bit easier. I think that's what it is, is that they're a little bit easier for me to spend money on, but definitely things are are definitely a lot harder um, for me to spend money on. But like I said, I'm opening up, I'm trying like this house that I rented. I mean, I could have gotten, because I remember I was thinking like, oh, you can get this other modest house. And I'm like, yeah, but this house, it was this Victorian house, totally renovated. It looks gorgeous. And I've been wanting a hammock for the longest. And it had a hammock in the front. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but this is like, this is a lot more. And I was like, girl, plus send. <laughs> like, like, Tiffany, what is the money for? You want this house. It's a beautiful house. It's one step away from the beach. It has a backyard and a grill and all these things. Like, you want to be comfortable for the week. You know, and I'm just like, so yeah, you could get this cheaper place, but guess what? You're going to probably spend a lot of time in this house for this full week. Like, sis, I'm going to need you to be fully comfortable. Yeah. Yes. It's just, like I said, it's it's practice and like, I'm just, you know, it, it's still like, there's still a lot of PSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome from losing everything 
and me being afraid mm-hmm. of going back there. And so I'm de- I'm definitely much better than I was before, but I still, you know, it basically is going to be practice to say, you know, like, you know, is it a massage a week? I remember he Zion mentioned that. And I was like, you know what? That would be yes. kind of nice. <laughs> Do it. Do it for those of us who can. <laughs> I was like, that actually sounds kind of nice. Or like, what else is there? Like, you know, what like thing that's just because it's a thing that I enjoy? Do I want to make a regular part of my life? So it was just like I said, it was just because one of the things he mentioned, I knew he was going to say this because I like at this point, I know he was like, right now you're out of integrity with yourself. He's like, because he's like, I read that section of the book where you said, I don't believe in over sacrifice. You know, he said, you said you don't believe in over sacrifice and that if something doesn't cause you financial harm, then get it. Money is to be enjoyed. You said that in your book. And yet I was like, hey, <laughs> he said, you're out of integrity. And it's true. Caught you. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, you just be reading my book, huh? Uh, meanwhile, this is your uh, this is your weekly book book reminder from Brown Ambition. Get Good with Money is available at getgoodmoney.com. Did you write a book? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, so it was just like I, one. I'm excited for the time away, and two, I'm just really excited for like you know I'm just working additionally on growth, like mm. you know recognizing like, huh, I want this to be better, and unlike before, just kind of suffering through it. I'm like. How do I get help to make this better if I don't know how to do it myself? And then getting help to do so and, you know, in working toward it and through it much faster. So I'm actually really enjoying like kind of like this loop that I've created, like recognizing a thing, asking for help for a thing, putting the help into action, seeing change, you know? Normalize. We see we need the world, especially a month like this. It's the George Floyd murder. It's mm-hmm. been a year since his murder. It's the 100 years since the Tulsa massacre of 1921. It's a lot going on. And I'm just like, we need to see Tiffany winning. We need black people to be taking care of yourselves, taking care of ourselves, yeah. going out there. You, you know, if you have the resources, using them, we need to normalize this, share it because, I mean, no one else is going to do it. We have to take care of ourselves. So I think you're setting a very wonderful example. It is, it's your job to go have a damn good time, my friend. Okay. And relax, relax in that hammock. Swing, swing, swing. And knit. Oh, wait, crochet. Which one is it? I don't even know, girl. I'm doing one of them. One of them. Or none of them. Who cares? Bring the yarn. Never touch it. It's your hiatus. Okay. It's your hiatus. All right. Well, what else is going on? You know, I read that used car price i didn't read my husband told me he's like babe we bought our used car 2017 it was a 2016 mazda something something i don't even know and i think we bought it for 17 or 18k and we paid it off really quickly but i you know cars are notorious like before you even drive off the lot they lose like what 15 20 percent of their value Mm -hmm. it immediately is a depreciating asset so that's why i always really hated car debt because you know, you're just it, you're just always kind of losing money on them. But because of a used car shortage, used car prices are on the rise. So really? he was, yeah, he was like running our car through a couple of different like uh, cost estimator tools like Carvana and then one other site and said that we could sell it for 16 or 16,000 something dollars, which is I think it's only lost like a thousand dollars worth of value in five years, wow. which is nuts. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, you want to sell it and get a Tesla, of course. But I just wanted to note that, and and I was looking into the reasons why. I'm like, why are used car prices going up? 
And it's just this kind of like weird, crazy economic times that we're in right now. But basically, like our car, for example, that we got it certified pre-owned, but it used to be a rental car. And the majority or a lot of the rent, the used cars on today's market come from rental car companies. And last year, because nobody was renting any cars, rental car companies weren't getting a bunch of new cars. So when it came this year to, you know, what they typically do would take their cars out of rotation and then put them on the used car market. But there weren't as many cars on the used car market. So simple supply and demand, not that many used cars, more demand for cars. So that's why prices have been going up. So if you've been thinking about selling your car, now yeah. may be the right you know, maybe a decent time um, to do that. Yes, I, I didn't. You know, I didn't. I, I, I never thought about that. That's actually. I mean, I've. I'm trying to think. I've never had a new car. Like in college, my parents got us a lease, which was a mistake, child. Because you know, with the mm -hmm. lease, they give you the number of miles. Girl, <laughs> oh no, that car was in every state but Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I understand it. Because, you know, of course, we're like, oh, we're just going here to a friend's house. Meanwhile, we're in Delaware. Um, so that was a mistake. But um, after that, any car I've ever bought, like I've had three cars that I've owned straight out. And all of them have been um, used cars. And the last one, um, the one I have now, is actually like just like to your point, certified pre-owned, which I love. Because like you get like all the, you know. You get all the the safety with with none of the, with like the not the high cost. Yep. You know, so I, I had insurance on that car, you know, like full fledged if anything went wrong with it for like three or four years before finally it, you know, it expired. I think used cars are the jam, but that sucks if like <laughs> you the whole purpose of getting a used car is the fact that you don't have to pay as much. So I guess we shall yeah. see. You know, you should see and definitely, you know, definitely shop around to try to get the best deal. Maybe it's also like location based. Maybe in some places it's not as difficult to get a good deal as others. But if you're wondering why your used car, like I, I listen, I was listening to something like a um, a podcast on on the economy and inflation and all that, and they said that used car inflation was ten percent in April. Mm. So if you bought a car for ten thousand dollars in March, you would pay eleven thousand dollars in April for the same car, used mm. car. So. Inflation is real. We have a question about inflation that we're going to get to later um, because that seems to be a hot, a hot topic hot these topic. days. Um, <laughs> but I want to take a pause really quick because it is it, it is a really meaningful, I hate to say anniversary because that mm -hmm. just makes it sound like a joyous occasion. But on May 21st, 1921, there was the Tulsa massacre, which I am willing to admit I didn't get taught this at any point in my uh uh, elementary, middle, high school career. I only, I don't even know when I first heard about Tulsa. But for a lot of people, the first time they heard about this this massacre of 300 black people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and what used to be called Black Wall Street and yeah. Greenwood. But for a lot of young people, their first encounter with this story was through a, a show on HBO. I think it was called Watchmen. Have you ever watched Watchmen? Mm -mm. Yeah, it's it's like, I don't know. I, I, I did watch the opening episode because a friend told me about it. But basically, they recreated the true story of what happened in Tulsa for this show, which is actually about superheroes and like Regina King's in it. It's amazing. But yeah, for a lot of people, that was their first introduction to this horrific story. Um, it's been 100 years. Three survivors were just on Capitol Hill. They testified before Congress. These are three men and women who were six, seven at the time, they're now 107, 100 years old, and I think 100 and something else. They're over 100 years old. And these heroes went to 
Capitol Hill to testify before Congress because there's now a, a lawsuit um, against the city, against the state, I believe, to finally get restitution and some form of rep reparations for the families, the descendants of this horrific attack. And a friend of the show, actually, Kevin Matthews, he is a investing expert, Kevin Matthews of Building Bread. If you guys haven't heard of him, definitely check him out. We'll put a link to Kevin's info on the show. Kevin is actually a descendant of a survivor of the Tulsa massacre. So we actually invited Kevin to come on the show and, and share a little, bit of, a little bit about his family history and the context of why this massacre was so meaningful and, and continues to have ripple effects for Black Americans today. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on Brown Ambition. Welcome to the hey, show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So tell us your story. I, I've known Kevin for, I don't even know how long, used to write for Lending Tree when I was there. Um, but you have been in the, yeah, you've been an investing expert in, pers in the personal finance space for about as long as I have, I feel like. And you came up with us and, and all the other, you know, black excellence at FinCon and all of that. But I really, I didn't know that you had such a personal story, you know, with Tulsa and, and being born and raised on Greenwood Avenue where this horrible massacre occurred. So can you talk about what does it mean to you and your family? Yeah, it it's hard to put into words how much it means. And it's still, it continues to mean more every day. Because for those that don't know about the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre, we didn't really start to learn a lot about it until the 1990s. So there were times where, like, my father, who is um, elected official in Oklahoma, didn't learn about it until he was in his 30s. I had heard rumblings of it growing up. And as an adult, when researching for my book, I continued to learn more things that I had not known until three decades into it. So it, it means a lot to us because there's a, a missing chapter in our history, both literally and, and figuratively. We have an estimated 300 people who died who still have not been found. We don't know exactly where they've been buried, and we're still trying to figure that out to this day. And there's always the the sense of, of what if. So my my house is one block to the left of Greenwood when you, you're looking north. And you have to wonder, like, my great-grandparents, did they have a business or a home there? What would have happened to the property value had Greenwood been allowed to survive? And the many, many businesses and people who who had succeeded at that point in time, where would we be today and how much different um, would that region be? What if you know, this this was at what Atlanta is now, right, in the 1920s. And that entire history was it was eliminated and wiped from the history books. Again, literally, it was not required to be taught up until last year. So there's just so many things and, and so many questions that we still have 100 years later. And what is your book about? Is it a, yeah, talk a little bit about the book and, and what made you want to write it? Yeah, for me, so the, the book is about primarily the, the Tulsa Race Massacre, but I also give a plan to create Black wealth moving forward. Because what I saw in this space was that there are a lot of amazing books to talk about where Tulsa is today, what happened, what led up to it. And that's kind of it. They kind of say, all right, well, this is Tulsa today and end of the story. And I wanted to provide a very clear plan about what do you do moving forward? How should you invest your money? How should you spend your money to recreate Black Wall Street in the 21st century? So my book starts off with the history. We talk about how white supremacy has moved throughout the United States since the very beginning and how this pattern has continued to occur both 
right now, but also in the past. And then we, again, sum up the book around what to do next, how do we re- rebuild, and how do we do that on an individual level and a community level? So I, one of the things, because I've known you for a long time, Kevin, um, that, and first of all, you're, if you, Kevin, do you post um, Fight Me Fridays on, on, on Instagram? I don't do it on Instagram. I probably I miss should. Fight you Me Fridays. Need to. Oh, when I tell you, like, I mean, we're getting like serious, <laughs> Kevin, here. No, Kevin is hands down one of the most hilarious people that you will ever meet. He does this thing called Fight Me Fridays where it's like um, all these, what could be seemingly unpopular opinions, and they are hilarious and shady as hell. So you <laughs> need to shady. post them. <laughs> you need to post them. And then, so that's one. So, you know, we get serious. We're going to get back to seriousness, but I just want to let the people know Kevin is hilarious. He's got the most, the two most adorable kids. I don't even know how you can make kids so cute. I mean, Cub is so, your son, the dimples. And then what's the baby girl's name? Carver. Carver. Oh, just like, yeah, the kids are just just adorable. And then Kevin, you're also a contributor to Gicka with Money. Okay. Yeah. Right. So Kevin <laughs> is the he's my go-to expert for the um for the first half of the investment chapter. But something that I have seen you post about over and over again on social, um, and I feel your frustration is that you're like you hear all of this conversation about Black Wall Street. You hear you see people who are starting banks as a result or or investment funds and over and over and over again, I've seen you say, and yet no one has ever reached out to actual people in Tulsa or those who have been affected by the massacre, what happened. So can you just talk more about that? Like, why do you think that is? And like, what's, you know, what's going on there? Yeah. So there are a lot of new apps and initiatives and quote unquote investments that have been named after Black Wall Street or after Tulsa or after Greenwood. And from my perspective, the perspective of my family, perspective of all my friends who are still in Tulsa, that's not cool. And I say that because you should not come and take the name of Tulsa or Greenwood and say, we're doing this in respect to those who who built Black Wall Street, but then no one on your staff is, is from Black Wall Street. No one from your staff is a survivor. None of the money that you've raised goes to anything in the city. And that's, you know, you're really capitalizing on our pain, right? You're mm-hmm. capitalizing on our history and our trauma that we still have to deal with, but you get to collect the money from. Mm-hmm. So for example, there's there's one initiative that's raised $40 million wow. by naming themselves after Greenwood and hasn't hadn't talked to a single survivor, hadn't hadn't been to Tulsa, hadn't talked to any elected officials, but you just got the name, you get to raise the money, and you're not hiring or circulating that money for the people that you named it after. And it's really offensive to do this to a city who doesn't who doesn't have the the capabilities that other cities have, like mm-hmm. in Atlanta or Charlotte or in New York. So when you you put that all together, and again, we didn't start studying the first official commission, the study that put this out, happened in 2001. So we're talking exactly 20 years of us like really doing research and finding out pieces that we didn't know yet, but you come in and swoop in like some expert that you've been here and that you've done all the stuff and take it, rebrand it, and then launch it this year. <laughs> like that's that's not that's not okay. It's opportunistic. Um, I take great offense to it because it's you don't you don't name something after 9-11. You don't name something after Oklahoma City bombing when you weren't there, right? And that's not something to to celebrate or or to make money off of. And that's that's where my frustration comes from. And the majority of people who are still in Tulsa feel the, the same way. 
what do you feel would be so I mean I'm thank you for sharing that perspective because it's not something that I'd even thought about I and as someone who you know earlier in the intro I admitted I had not learned about the Tulsa massacre at least up until the last few years I will say Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm definitely yeah I'm one of those who was so ignorant to it I understand now you know I've I've read and watched some of the testimony of the the three, um, what do you call them, centenarians? <laughs> Over 100 years old, these survivors are, and they testified on Capitol Hill this past week about their experience in the in the massacre. And, you know, of course, I, what I love about your book, too, is it talks about action. You know, what mm. can we do now to help reestablish and build black wealth? But, you know, you've sort of given an example of of maybe the wrong way to go about doing it, but what are some of the ways we today, as people who know better um, today, how can we do better when it comes to honoring the memory of the people who lost their lives and not just those who lost their lives, but people who lost their livelihoods? Yeah, I, I think the most important thing is is to to lead with empathy or to, to build something to honor people, but actually honor them. So, have them as as a someone on the board or an advisor and have them to have some sort of input in that initiative like i'm i'm not so hubris to say that you know someone from Tulsa needs to run every single thing i don't think that needs to be the case but have someone on your board employ people from that area circulate the wealth in the exact same way that greenwood was founded it was founded primarily by two men who bought up large tracts of land and rented and sold them to Black people. So they say, look, I have enough wealth. I want to make sure that I can circulate this and build an entire community. So it does not make sense. And it is antithetical to the idea of Black Wall Street to found something and not circulate it with the people who should be at the center of it. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And as a survivor yourself, I mean, putting the two together, I can see, like, I wonder if part of the reason you developed such a passion for financial empowerment, for investing in wealth building was because of your family's ties to Black Wall Street and what happened there? I would I would say yes. And it's it's been a really strange journey to that that conclusion for myself. So for example, my dad would read us stories when we were kids just about Black Wall Street. So we didn't really know about the massacre part of it, which makes sense. I was seven. It's probably a little too early for, for that. And um, in middle school, I went to Carver Middle School, which my daughter is named after George Washington Carver. And it just so happens to also be the name of the school. But it's also directly on Greenwood Avenue. And Booker T. Washington, um, he came to Tulsa in the early 20s and called it Negro Wall Street. Ironically enough, I did not know this at the time that I went to to college. Booker T. Washington was a graduate of Hampton University, which was then Hampton Institute. So a lot of my personal history of kind of where I went to school, how I kind of you know came into to being in terms of like in the financial space, there are a lot of parallels that that happened within my own life that I'm also still figuring out and still discovering um, through this entire process. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you I so much for. Yeah. Well, sorry, Tiff, what'd you say? No, I was just going to say that it's just, I'm just, because sometimes, you know, I feel like we we are inundated with our history being, you know, one of just slavery and downtroddenness. And it's just what I really love about Black Wall Street. And I know it's not the only kind of like Black city that showed that, you know, when resources are, are there, that we are capable and able 
to do for ourselves, you know? And so I just thank you for continuing to to make sure that this is something that all folks can learn about. And if you could share like your book name and where people can purchase it. I know you've been doing some book signings, if you have any information about that. But yeah, we'd love to continue to support you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'll I'll end off on, on this note too, because I didn't know this. And a lot of people assume that after 1921, that that was it. Tulsa did rebuild. Black Wall Street did rebuild by 20, uh, by 1923. And then shortly after was the Great Depression, which, you know, that that put it into a lot of things. But we did rebuild. And I think that's also an important story to mm. tell. Um, but lastly, you can find me in all places on social media and learn more about the book at buildingbread.com slash blueprint. I am doing a signing in Tulsa. I'll be in Tulsa for the next two weeks or so following the, the centennial events. And anything that you want to learn more about the book, I'll be making a few appearances um, across the interwebs. And you can find all that on my Instagram page and on my website. And what's your Instagram again? It's at Building Bread. Okay. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for hopping on the show and sharing your story. It's so important to us and, and we appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay. It's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Brown Just go to Indeed.com slash Brown right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Brown Ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, y'all. Well, thank you again to Kevin of Building Bread. You can check him out at buildingbread.com to find out more about his book and where you can find his amazing work. But let's switch gears and head on over to our inbox. 
I have been digging through our DMs on Instagram and we've got a couple of good questions. So first up, it's about the dreaded word inflation. All right, Instagram user who wants to remain anonymous says, girls, can we please talk about inflation? How can we increase our value of money as the dollar value decreases? Help, we could use some info on inflation in our community. Well, keeping your name a secret, I'm gonna call you keep for short. Um, okay. Let's first of all talk about what what is inflation? So just to be clear, inflation is the devalue of money over time. Poor ejemplo. That means, for example, for those of you who are not bilingual like Mandy and I, in Spanish. Poor ejemplo. Um, so you know how, like, when you were a kid, like, um, did you did you used to call it quarter waters? You know those little, like, like they look like little mini barrels, Mandy? Like, the, And they were, like, different colors, like blue I and I don't pink. know what they were called, but red drink, orange drink, blue drink. <laughs> well, back yeah. in the day when Purple I was drink. young, I'm not a kid anymore, we used to call it quarter waters. Now, if you go to the corner store you're going to see those things for like 35, 40, 50 cents. So we called it quarter water because they used to be a quarter, but now they cost more. And what that means is that your money can do less over time. So essentially that's what inflation is, is that, so you ever hear your grandma say, well, when I was your age, I bought a house when I was 25. Well, grandma, your house cost you $80,000, you know? Like, you know, that same house, you could not get it for 80,000 because your money can do less. It's devalued over time. So I just wanted to get clear about what's inflation. Yeah. And the reason people are, you know, inflation is a hot topic these days is because of what has been happening since the pandemic. So a lot has been happening. I just gave you an example in the last segment about the rising cost of used cars. That's a good example of inflation right there. So over a month between March and April, a car that cost $10,000 one month used cost $11,000 to the person who waited a month to buy it because... If of inflation, because of in part of inflation. And basically, it's when the cost of goods increase, but your dollars are, you know, because the cost of goods increase, and sometimes your dollar um, doesn't increase at the same rate, you know, you have you can buy less with the same dollar that you have today, as you know, a month from now, or usually in- inflation moves pretty slowly. But because of the pandemic, and, and still, it's very confusing. And even economists don't necessarily agree, or don't have enough evidence yet to point to why. But inflation is going pretty fast. Uh, one of the reasons they're saying that inflation is on the rise is because huh, stimulus checks. Um, mm. I'm, there's a this is this is tricky, because it's very political. It's very politicized. The whole decision of Congress to, well, Democrats in Congress to issue stimulus payments to the American people because of the, you know, because of how traumatic financially the pandemic has been for so many families across the country. So some Republicans, conservatives have been kind of glomming onto this storyline that, oh, because we have flooded the economy with this, you know, these $1,400 was the last, um, I think $1,400 was the last amount of stimulus checks that went out because we're flooding the economy with all these dollars. That is going to decrease the value of the dollar. And at the same time, goods and services are going to get more expensive. So you have inflation occurring. So while inflation's always sort of a, it's out there, it's always happening over time, you're seeing it at a, a, a more rapid pace over the past couple of months. There's no telling where it's going to go from here. Maybe it'll slow down. Maybe it'll keep going up. But your question is, you know, it's well taken. What can people do to protect their dollars and to prepare for 
inflation if it's going to get worse or if it's already happening. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so this is one of the reasons why we're constantly talking about making your money work. Mm-hmm. So inflation is kind of always the enemy, one of the enemies of the dollar. So that's why if you have a ton of money sitting in a cash uh, a cash account, you know, checking or CDs or savings accounts, your dollars really are not going to be gaining value. You're, you're losing money yeah. over time because of inflation. One of the most straightforward ways to hedge against inflation um, and to actually let your dollars work for you is to invest it mm-hmm. in the market. There are other ways of investing besides just in stocks, other asset classes that you can buy. So for example, there's a type of treasury that you can buy that guarantees your money will earn value over time. Not a lot, not anything close to what you might earn in the stock market, but it is a type of treasury that is meant to protect against inflation. So if you're like on the more conservative side, you don't want to get into the market um, and, and put a bunch of money into stocks then, you know, you have that as an option too. But it's not, if you're trying to protect against inflation, your bank account ain't it. It's not happening. I'll say this, that like, I mean, to Mandy's point, like investing and investing, as she mentioned, there are multiple asset classes. You might want to invest in real estate. You know, basically you put your money to work, you know, you purchase a property and then you rent the property out. Um, Investing in businesses. So one of the things, you know, I put a lot of money, especially when I first started into my business. And as a result, the business yields more money back, you know, than I put in. Um, and that's how you have like a profitable year, you know, investing. Um, I know people who invest in art, you know, that appreciates. Um, like now, I don't know if you've Metals. heard this. Huh? Metals like gold. Yep. Mm-hmm. Silver. Yep. I mean, that's not, I don't have any experience in that. Oh, Hello, phone call in the middle of our show. <laughs> I didn't hear it. <laughs> okay, <didn't> good. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, so honestly, the only way to really like, literally, if there is one word, two syllables in order to outperform inflation, meaning your money being devalued over time and things costing more over time to invest. That's it. Whatever investing looks like, investing just means to grow your money, to actively grow your money. Well, I want to say actively. I'll just say to grow your money. That's what investing is. So however you decide to grow your money, that's really it. You can grow your money to keep the pace of inflation, meaning like let's just say your money is losing value at 3% a year and then you, you know, you're in you're making 3% a year. Great. Some people, you know, are making 300%, you know, in this market. Some people are doubling their money as a result of, of businesses. But at the end of the day, it comes down to investing. So that is like one of um I've kind of been like really passive with investing. I'm like, oh, I've got a certified financial planner and I know the basics and ETFs and mutual funds. But lately, even for myself, I'm like, no, I, I really want to learn the next level of investing. And uh, Supergirl, my my step, my bonus daughter, she's 14 and she expressed an interest. So now we're actually looking for like, you know, courses to take together. So like, it's like, you know, something bonding because she has really taken an interest in entrepreneurship. And I always, my sister always says, Mandy, that Supergirl can't wait to be 40. <laughs> because when I tell you, Mandy, I'm like, who's playing Mary J. Blige? Supergirl. Beyonce. I'm like, how? And I mean, she is such a Wait, now, lady. is Beyonce like, oh no. 
And no, she now, yes, the girl, don't she is 14. Oh, no. Like, like she, but like all the things she listens to, I mean, she's a straight A student. She's like a little old lady. I mean, I remember she used to watch the Georgia Lopez show. I'm like, when she was like seven, like, this is my show, Golden Girls. So the joke is around the house that she can't wait to be 40 because we're all, you know, like I'm 41. My husband's 40. Her, her mother is 40. And so she's just all around like... <laughs> All these 40-year-olds. And so that's all she knows. But so now she wants to learn how to like trade and invest. And she was super excited. I remember that time, did we talk about Crocs? Um, how um, um, Nicki Minaj had posted, she had not been on social media for some months because she had a baby. And she posted a picture of herself with um, pink, hot pink Crocs on. And her, the gibbets, instead of gibbets, it had, of course, diamonds. Um, but as a result <laughs> of her posting it, because she and I, Supergirl and I, were just talking about, you know, when you start to look for stocks, she asked me, like, how do I even know, you know, what stocks to start to look to do um, research on? And I told her, well, sometimes you can literally start at home. Look at the stuff you're buying. What are you and your friends into? And she said, you know what I noticed? Me and mommy went to the um, mall the other day and no no um, store had a line, but the Croc store had a line around the corner. And I said, well, that's a perfect, like, you know, that's when you can look and say, huh, what's going on here? So we had done a little research and we found that Indeed, there's been an upsell of people wearing Crocs because being home has made people want to be more comfortable. Mm. And then, and then, sure enough, here comes Nicki Minaj. She posted her pink Crocs, and don't you know, the sale of pink Crocs that day jumped up four thousand plus percent. She wow. actually sent me a screenshot. I was like, look. So it was like now she's opening her mind that like, wow, the things that I enjoy that I'm interested in, like you know, there's the potential for me to invest there. So I just share all that to say that no matter where you are, whether you're really 41 like me or fake 40 like Supergirl, <laughs> you can yeah. start to, you know, start to do your homework to, to figure out what does investing look like for you. And that's the best way to, to beat inflation. Absolutely. If I can keep our bilingual. Um, <laughs> oh, that was French? my okay. girl. That's like the one word I remember from five years of French, uh, including a year in college. But let's take another. This is actually a really good question. I just dug this up from our email inbox. Again, y'all can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com with your questions. Also on IG at brownambitionpodcast. This one's from a, a mom who's interested in taking a break from corporate America with her kids. So this comes from Lakeisha. She says, I'm interested in your opinion on taking a break from corporate America and traveling for a year. I have a good job making over six figures with great benefits. I have a net worth at just a million with about half of that in liquid assets. The challenge is I'm a single mom to an 11 year old. Is it reckless and irresponsible for me to try this? And I'm not a spring chicken. I'll be 50 this year. Conflicted on doing this while I'm healthy or stay and grind away trying to reach financial independence in seven to 10 years. I don't know. Is it just like the pandemic exhaustion in me? But I'm just like, girl, go. Take the kid and run. Go for a year. Enjoy your life. What do you think, Tiff? Yeah, I think like because it, it sounds like, I mean, you've you've done the work. It's almost like what's the money for? Remember we talked about that earlier? Yeah. You know, exactly. so I could see if you were like, honestly, I've got, you know, $300,000 in debt and, you know, we don't make enough to feed ourselves. You know what I mean? Like if that's the story, then it's like, well, the money is for security and to to get to a place where you are financially safe. But it sounds like you're there. And like the money, the money is for that. You know, you get to use your money now to buy back time. Like you've done it. You know what I mean? So yeah. lean into like all the hard work you've put in. 
because nothing is promised. Like you just hear so about so many people who waited, like, oh, I can't wait, you know, when we're 65, we'll retire. And then somebody falls ill and they can't go on vacation. And you're like, you work your whole life for what? So if ever you get an opportunity, and this is me trying to get back in integrity with myself, because I'm telling you this, but here I am talking about, I bought a mattress and I feel guilty. <laughs> so this is like me, like looking at the mirror. I'm talking to you, Tiff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you work really hard to be able to provide beyond security. You're not just here to survive this life. You are here to also thrive. Once you get past the survival mode, you know, it really is for you to use your money in ways, you know, that will help you thrive. So I say go for it. You sound like a really dope, like, mom. And honestly, to me, it sounds like, you know, you are capable if if you're wanting to figure out additional ways to make income, you know, if you need to. So you can always tap into your to what I call your internal bank. You know, we all have this bank. You deposit all this awesomeness into it and you can withdraw as a result. Yeah, I mean, no one can predict the future, but I feel like corporate corporate America is not going anywhere. You know, maybe it's you try for a month, see how it goes. Maybe you try for two months. You have a kid who's in school, so I don't know how all that works. How do you teach it? But I guess virtually, we just all did that for a year if you had school-age kids. But yeah, you're 50 and you've got... She said a million dollars with about half in liquid assets without knowing what um, liquid assets. I mean, technically, the stock market is liquid. So I don't really know what that would be in versus the other half. But, you know, a million dollars is is a decent amount of change. And if you invest it wisely, I could see that lasting you for a while. But because you're a single mom, that's the only thing I would say is, um, you know, you're you're yourself. You're your you're your income. You know, you don't have a second earner. So you're going to have to probably sit down maybe even with a financial planner or just, you know, you yourself, a spreadsheet, calculator, the internet, whatnot, and figure out, you know, what, how can you invest that, you know, what you have in, in, in the market to make it last so that you're, you know, or figure out exactly how much do you want to take out of your, you know, your nest egg to, to survive on or live on for that year while you're traveling. And also you don't want to do it. Like for me, I'm like, I'm done kind of half-assed traveling. I want to travel, Mm. like do the excursions, you know, do the nice hotel, get the good food. Like, I don't want to stay in hostels anymore, no shade, (laughs) but like, I just want to enjoy myself. So that was one of the things I remember when I, when I graduated college and I started traveling through South America, I was working while I was, I wasn't really traveling. I was working in Chile at a, at a unpaid internship and finally I just like forced them to pay me um I was just like y'all gotta pay me and every it seemed like all the people you know also working at this unpaid internship just had money to be going weekend trips and they were all going to the see the glaciers in the south of Argentina and they were traveling to the desert and like they were doing all these fun things and I never could because I went down there with a finite amount of money and not much more coming in I still had an amazing time on a budget But I want to, you know, especially for you, this is going to be a magical year with your 11 year old. They can remember this for the rest of their lives. Mm. It's, you know, you want to do it right, I feel like. So you don't want to, and mentally, you want to be feeling happy and at peace with your decision to travel for a year. So I, I mean, I think it's definitely a worthwhile idea. But, you know, thinking it through, maybe you can work remotely to have an income stream coming in if that makes you feel good to have that security um, or to keep, you know, some of your benefits. There's a lot of ways that you can do this. So I think it's it's something that's definitely worth thinking through. You know, if you haven't spoken to a financial planner, maybe you could make a meeting with someone just as like a fee only planning situation mm-hmm. and just ask for 
their advice and, you know, how do I make this work? This is what I want. Here's the mm -hmm. money. How do I make it work? And they can help guide you there. But all in all, you're already a badass. Yes. It sounds exciting. Keep us updated. Your goals already. All right. Well, thank you all for your questions. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. All right, BA fam, you know we work hard and we play hard, but when it comes to investing and having your money in the market, you want your money to be working for you. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Keeps your money out there working hard and kicking you know what. I love Betterment because it makes it easy for even a beginning investor to figure out how to put their money in the market and set it and forget it and be at peace with that because you know Betterment has got you covered with their automated investment and savings app. Their technology is going to give you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize those returns. All you got to do is visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with Afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brown ambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just visit squarespace.com slash brown ambition to get your discount today. Remember your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. Should we do boost and break? Boosty, boosty, breaky, breaky. I say yes. <laughs> Let's do it. I've got some breaks. Unfortunately. Oh, Lord. It's a well, lot going okay. on. It is. Well, <laughs> Okay, so I do have a, well, first of all, it's now it's time to boost a break for all the family. We're probably going to boost and we're going to break. Okay, that's what we're going to do, Mandy. So okay. I, I'll end with a good boost because I feel like it's always nice to end with a good boost. And But I will start with a break and then I'll let you go. And then because if you don't have any boost, then I'll, I'll end with the boost. So I don't know. Did you hear about uh, this women apparel company called... Um, I'm sure you've probably seen it. It's called NYX Wear, K-N-I-X. Yeah, It's like the underwear that you can like, it's like for your, like if you're panties. on your, yeah, if you're, yeah, exactly, period panties. Um, but yeah. like you could literally, you don't have to wear like a, a pad or like whatever. You could just bleed into them. So anyway, it's been doing really well. Women love it. It's all about bo body positivity. And so since 2013, the CEO, her name is Joanna Griffiths. She's been raising money. 
I think she just recently raised um, somebody, but she's pregnant, like very pregnant because she's pregnant with twins. And I just love this. And she was like any any prospective investor who questioned her pregnancy, like, well, I don't know how she nixed them. Was like, girl, what we don't need is your raggedy funds. This woman has raised $53 million for an already successful company. I just love that. She was visibly pregnant. It was like, what you don't seem to understand is we're already popping over here. You can either join with some sense or get left behind. So I just love that she was just like, oh, you worried about my babies? Oh, okay. Yeah, next. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that that was just so, because I'm raising concerns over the fact that you're having a baby. I sometimes wonder like with like, you know, men in particular, how do you think you got here? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think you were born? Are you a turnip? You know, did you like, did you, were you sprout from the ground like a gnome? Like your mother gave birth to you, you dummy. Like, you know what I mean? So like, I just don't understand why men have such a problem with women being pregnant when literally if a woman did not get pregnant, you would not be here. So I'm just glad that she has kind of like the last he he laugh like, oh, you thought I need your money? No, you need me. So go ahead, Joanna Griffiths, with your twins. Um, I hope their mama knows that. Um, I hope they know that their mama is a total badass. And um, she said total no baddie. to those funky men who were like, I'm concerned about you being pregnant, as if being pregnant is some sort of disability. Well, technically it is. That's I know. Isn't that shame? Like, that's exactly it's... what Andre told me. They considered that, which I'm like, Ugh. It's uh, shady. It but is shady. you know what? I mean, with the fact that a lot of venture capital is funded by men and male-fronted VC firms, I'm glad that she was brave enough to say, you know, I don't care how many men I have to turn down and how long it has to take to raise the money. We will keep waiting. So that was really brave. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to her. What's her name? Her Joanna name is Griffiths. Joanna. Mm-hmm. I need to check out those Knicks things because... Mm. I know. I was thinking about it like that. Like, they have, like, shorts ones. And I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of, like, well, whatever. You know, let's not... Right? We know. We know. We know. <laughs> we know. That's why they're successful, because it's not for them, it's for us. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to do a break because some foolishness was happening. Um, Two two back-to-back breaks I must do. I've got to spotlight what happened to Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Nicole (sighs) Hannah-Jones this past – well, it actually didn't happen this past week. So basically, Nicole Hannah-Jones, she is the one who was behind that incredible – multi-part series in the New York Times in 2019 called the 1619 Project, which was a complete retelling of the history of America. We were just talking to Kevin about the Tulsa massacre. Nicole Hannah-Jones, an amazing journalist, went all the way back to 1619 and really retold history by putting slavery first and at the forefront of it and really talking about how so much of the history that we celebrate well, you know, was built on the backs of slaves, of course. And um, so her project, 1619 Project, it was released a couple of years ago when the Pulitzer Prize. So she was named the Knight Chair Fellow at, I think it's a University of North Carolina. That's her alma mater at their journalism school. And a lot of, uh, apparently, all the professors who get this Knight Chair um, distinction are tenured, which means that you know, when you're tenured, you have an understanding that unless you do something completely crazy or, I don't know, just something that is so, like, I don't know, murder someone or slap a student in the face, like, it takes a lot to fire a tenured professor. So it really gives you comfort and it gives you confidence and it gives you a sense of stability in your role. So despite the fact that 
people spent over 160 hours, according to the 19th news, the 19th news report on this, 160 hours plus from faculty, from advisors, from other colleges on whether or not Nicole Hannah Jones should get this should get this distinction and also tenure. Ultimately, the state's board of trustees denied her tenure. And this actually happened like I think sometime in April, but it just kind of made news this past week. And now there's all these petitions to give Nicole Hannah-Jones a tenure that she rightfully deserves. And I just wanted to spotlight that because we have to, I mean, there's no, it's not like there's ever going to be the smoking gun like, oh, yes, she was denied tenure because these old white guys on this board of trustees, you know, they were, they were pressured or scared of, you know, giving this black woman who is helping to rewrite history in terms of, you know, and and putting slavery at the forefront of it. They were scared of conservative politicians fear over getting this history out there. You know, Donald Trump himself has tried to discredit Nicole Hannah Jones's work. There's literally legislation out there trying to prevent schools from teaching the 1619 project in schools. There's like a, a what do you call it? A competing course called the 1776 project where they're trying to get other curriculum in place of this in place of the story of slavery get it taught in schools in conservative states so like this is this is a real thing that's happening and nicole's at the center of it and i just wanted to highlight that and also point out that this is yet another example of how a seemingly innocuous you know piece of protocol Oh, we just need the board of trust board of trustees approval, their stamp of approval on this, you know, process. How another piece of uh, formal protocol is being used to silence or not silence because she's still going to get the professorship, but you know, disempower in some ways black voices. And it's just, oh, it's really infuriating. And um, she's she's amazing. But the one thing I will say is, hopefully, this gets her way more press for her book. So let me boost her book. Her book is coming out. It's based on the 1619 Project, which she did for the New York Times. So you can check it out at Amazon. We'll put a link in the show notes. Pre-order it to support Nicole. And that's that's my boost. I mean, sorry, that's my break plus a boost. Okay. And second break really quick because it took place in Atlanta. And <clears throat> Atlanta, what is going on? So I'm not even going to pretend like I knew who this famous Atlanta Hawks player was. Oh, I saw this. Because like basketball, that's a sport with a ball in it. And there's like a net, I think. But I'm not like a, I'm not a basketball expert, but I am an Atlanta expert. And there was this French bistro in Atlanta that had, I don't know why restaurants are so dumb to do this, but created a dress code and expected all the staff at their restaurant to judge people's outfits the same way and come away with the same conclusions about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable according to their arbitrary dress code. And of course, shockingly, the dress code started to be applied more often to black patrons than others. So um, Dominique Wilkins is an iconic Atlanta Hawks basketball player. He's a Hall of Famer. He was turned away from the restaurant and he wrote about it. And he said, they looked me up and down, told me there were no tables for me and looked me up and down again when he questioned why were there no tables and told him that he was not abiding by their dress code. And it turns out he wasn't the only one. If you look at the Yelp reviews for this restaurant, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. We'll put a link to a story in the notes. If you look for the Yelp reviews, there were literally reviews from other black patrons Mm -hmm. who had been complaining for weeks, months. 
you know, I was turned away because I was wearing flip flops. And then I walked by the patio and I saw other Mm -hmm. people wearing torn jeans, you know, cleavage bearing outfits, things like that. So there's all these reports in Atlanta now. And it's kind of sad because their their main chef right now is a black man. I don't think about him. But I was seeing on his Instagram, people are commenting and like telling him to leave this place Mm. and all that stuff. So it's opening up a lot of interesting and sad conversations in Atlanta right now. But I just don't see how a business like that expects a dress code to be enforced fairly, especially when you're leaving it up to employees where everything is so subjective, you know, Mm -hmm. like and they're doubling down on this whole dress code thing. And it's just a it's a shame. So I'm sorry to. To Dominique for having to go through that really embarrassing situation and to everyone else, you know, who's who without his story, without him speaking out, mm-hmm. you know, their stories may not have been told, may not have been heard. So I guess that's a, a silver lining from him coming forward. Yeah, that's why it's important for people to come forward, because I saw that I did like that. This man literally has a statue in Atlanta. He's on the cover currently right now of Atlanta magazine. I mean, they really could not have done this to a worse, like they couldn't have chosen <laughs> like, like the level of foolishness. But I'm glad that he said something to your point, because I saw people in his comments who were like, I'm not, you know, like white folks, because, you know, they love them some sports. I'm not usually a fan of cancel culture, but like, mm. man, I respect it. Like, I never, you know what I mean? Like, like people who are like, well, dang, if he said it, maybe there's something here. So that's why it's important for, you know folks yep. to say something when, when things happen. So it, it is a shame. Um, and hopefully, you know, people don't spend their money there. Like I said last week, let them suffer. Remember I said what, what I said about, like, if you're working at a place and they don't know how to treat you well or, and I'm like, mm, my new thing is, yo, let these people, let this company drown, let you suffer. Like what I'm not going to do is you, it's your loss. You get to lose all this amazingness. You're a fool. You know, like when you mistreat folks and you make it a habit or pattern to gaslight people, especially black people, especially black women, when you make it a habit to mistreat those days of like, we don't need you. We just don't like more and more and more. There are spaces and places that are being created as a result of your foolishness and your idiocy. Like I just... Like, you know, I'm like, let them suffer. I can't tell you how many brands and companies or whatever, just this past week that I was like, I'm good. Well, I just, yeah, mm-hmm, I'm good. Well, I would like, yeah, mm-hmm, yep, I see how you treat us. No, I'm good. I don't need your money. Well, we'll pay you double, sis. I make quadruple. I'm good. And even if I didn't, I'm still good. Because even when I didn't make any money as a budget. And he said, that was the one thing that I had to hold on to. Cause I was like, I don't want to look back and say that I made money in a way that was out of intre- integrity with how I want to show up. And that's one of the reasons like, and I'm always, I always struggle with like, Oh, do I share how well the budget is doing? I'm like, no, I do. Because I need you who's listening, who might be afraid to step out on her own, who might be like, Oh, I don't know. Sis, literally you are the magic. You are the bank. Tap into yourself. Like you have all the awesomeness right inside you. And quite honestly, others are waiting on you. We need you to step up. We need you to shine because like, I need you to also create a safe space for those, you know, corporate refugees or otherwise who need a safe place to work. After our, um, our last, um, uh, podcast, uh, Mandy, like, I can't tell you how many people were like, I know you said you're not hiring, but here's my resume anyway. And I, I always take resumes. I take them and I keep them because you never know. 
You never know. Oh, that reminds me. I got to send you my friend Marisa's resume. <laughs> send okay, it all over. I didn't for, forget. For real. Reason. For real. I always like, because you just never know. And I, I, I'm always like, I realize now that one of my, one of my goals and roles in this life, it, you know, is to grow the company, not for personal gain, although, you know, the money is nice, but to, to that way I can hire even more people that have been pushed out of these traditional spaces and been told that they're less than. When I'm like, sis, what a fool. Look what we're doing over here. Today, Mandy, I signed up for, you know, I like uh, we have like this, um, I guess it's called like supplemental um, insurance. And like, it's like, oh, accident insurance is 20 bucks a month. And then there's like disability insurance for 40 bucks a month or whatever. And we, we gifted everybody on the company a uh, hundred bucks a month toward that. You can get like six different things as a result of that. I just, mm, I love creating a space where we thrive. So unicorn culture for, for real, unicorn. literally like let's make, let's normalize that. So I say to those other places, let them suffer, let, let them push out all the awesomeness. So they shrivel up and drown and die. Let them suffer. I have no problem with that. Let all the yes. magic stay here. Let's pour into companies and places and restaurants that, you know, that that love us right back, that do what's right by us. Let them drown. Shoot. Mm. We need to bring back the green book. Is there like a modern version of the Ooh. green book? Mm. You know, there's got to be some websites out there. But yes, the places that serve us and we want to use our dollars. I mean, that's when you talk about what what's the money for. It's also like, where do you spend your dollars? Exactly. It matters. It really it does. does so. It really does. And then so speaking of spending your dollars, this is the last week. I forgot to say, did I say that I'm doing a partnership with Mess in a Bottle? Have you heard of Mess in a Bottle, um, Mandy? I haven't. What is it? Oh, my gosh. So Khalila Wright is this awesome black woman that started, started off as a t-shirt line with like um, messages, like really positive, affirming messages. And she has just blown up. I mean, she used to, I think, be like a like a, be an architect, same, pushed out of corporate, mistreated, was like, uh, I'm built for greater things, struggled literally um, for so many years. I remember she, I think her, she used to have like this t-shirt vending machine. I think it was vandalized and she was on her last leg. And then Bozema, who is like an angel, the C CMO of um, Netflix, mm -hmm. found out, not only wore her stuff, she's got this awesome like... um. A camo jacket that says queen don't be don't be afraid to lead like a king gave that camo jacket to serena williams serena wore it and then her brand just took off mm -hmm. like look what happens when black women get together okay? yeah. <laughs> right and so yeah. so as a result now i mean like this is years later now her her business is booming like just last december she was part of oprah's favorite things for the for christmas and Target, well, this this past February, Target did a thing for her, uh, like, well, not just for her, but they showcased during Black History Month awesome, amazing Black brands, and she was one of those brands. She sold out in, like, 30 minutes. And so, Khalil is just awesome, just, just an awesome Black businesswoman. And so, together, she does these capsule collections, and she reached out to me and said, I'd love to do one. I was like, oh my gosh, I'd love that. It was like a dream. And so, it's two t-shirts, a notebook a tote bag and a mug. And so one of the t-shirts says, it's about the generational wealth for me. The other t-shirt says, financial wholeness is a form of self-care. The notebook says, note to self, money won't manage itself. My, this is my favorite. The tote is my favorite. It says, sis, stick to the list. Because you know you be out there with your, with your <laughs> tote. Cute, like, oh, let me get like, nah, sis, stick to the list. And then the, the mug says, sip my tea and stack my coins. 
This is limited. Oh, I think I this is the it. last week. They're just basically almost all sold out. So, and I forgot to tell y'all. So, Dang, yeah, I know. Mean. But I will say go because I know she ordered a few more, but I think this is really the last week. If you go to mess, E-M-E-S-S, messinabottle.com, you'll literally see like mess in a bottle with oh, a bunch I of Nista. Isn't it so cute? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's only like going to be like the next week, week and a half, but like, um, we just sold like so many of them and I was like, I forgot to tell Blair about Ambition Family. So it's just like literally just a pop up and then it's going to be gone by like next week. And then that's it. I just, you know, I want to do something positive and I love partnering with other awesome, amazing sisters and low key, high key. We, this You guys are the first time I'm telling this to, but I told her, I said, let's do extra value. So many people want to hear about Black women in business and how you start, how you started and what I did. So what I told her, I was like, when it's all said and done, I would love if anybody that bought anything from this capsule collection, because I said, do you have the emails of everybody that purchased? She said, yes, because that's how you get your confirmation email that we're going to send you like, I don't know when it's going to be, but we're going to send you a free link for like a conversation between she and I just talking about black women in business and how we started and how you can start too. Just a, a free class just because, and I just thought that would be fun. So that's another bonus that you buy something from this capsule collection and you know, within a week or so you'll get like a, um, more information about just a class, not even a class, just a, like a, like a fireside chat between Khalila and I talking black women in business and, and what that looks like. And so that's just like a, I just want to pour into other women who are wanting to create something um, for themselves as well. And so that's just our gift to you. Um, so yeah, messinabottle.com. All right, done. Check the show notes, y'all. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a packed, packety, packed, packed, packed show. Um, well, thank y'all again for another week. Tiffany, I'm going to miss you. I know. Lucky da, da. I'm going to be listening now. I'm like, <laughs> they got big... They got big shoes to fill, these upcoming co-hosts. But you guys, stay tuned. We will be back. We will be here in June. Tiffany, enjoy your hammock. Enjoy the knitting or don't enjoy the knitting. Just have fun. Spend some money. And I won't be on social. Just so you know, I mean, you'll see like my team post on social. But I'm like, you know, we're not going to be a play-by-play. I really want to take like a break break for real. I want a photo dump when you return. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like, and then, and then, and then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right, y'all. I miss you guys already. Lucky well, you died. No, you no. don't. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Go relax. Bye, Tiff. Bye. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.